and welcome to another episode of Everybody Fits podcast and today we've got the amazing Sophie May. So Sophie do you want to tell the listeners and the viewers a little bit about yourself? So my name's Sophie Maylan and I am well I teach belly dance um, but also I'm a journalist by trade but a passionate mental health and inclusivity campaigner um, and I say my biggest expertise is someone with lived experience of having a range of mental health problems and so-called disabilities but now I enable those disabilities as they are my way to thrive in life so um, hoping help others who feel a bit blur in life to know that you can just get up and shimmy no matter what and actually your kind of diversities and your flaws that you perceive them as flaws are actually your sparkles. I love that. Me too I love it. So tell us a little bit more about those disabilities and what you've gone through your experiences. Yeah um so I I guess as a diagnosis um have anxiety depression fibromyalgia um and also dyslexic dyspraxic and possibly adhd um and i'm probably i've forgotten probably a number of other ones i've had in the past um episodes of psychosis and different uh, diagnoses but i think the power is is tapping into really redefining your labels so I got lost in labels and diagnoses from a young age as I had a really bad eating disorder and I was an impatient. Um, But then redefining myself through dance, through uh, writing, through my journalism, finding my own voice and my own story, rewriting that story. I now call myself a, a journalist, a dancer, a very neurodivergent, um, but kind of all-encompassing human being rather than just feeling defined by those shackles and labels and I think women especially we all as you'll probably know we all get our labels no matter what um and in a way I'm lucky to have diagnosis so I can understand parts of me that don't necessarily fit societal norms but I think a lot of us no matter what feel those labels and those shackles as well yeah yeah no I can totally relate to that my um my son got diagnosed with autism um last year and um that was quite a we kind of knew um that there would be would be some sort of diagnosis but we look at it as it's a superpower it's it's you know it means it enables you to look at the world differently and I think at the moment looking at the world in a different way is can be very very uh, a very good thing because it helps solve various different problems you know it's especially when it comes to things like dyslexia I think um it just helps you sometimes think out out the box so you know that I think in the past there's been a lot of people haven't really understood it and I think that I know for me growing up, if you were dyslexic, because I'm dyslexic as well, um, there was this sort of um, stereotype that you're you're, you're stupid um, and, you know, it's not true. It's just that it means that we think differently and you look at things differently. So, 
And I think, um, like, you're great, Kim, with empowering people um, with their sense of body image and confidence, no matter what. And a beautiful way somebody described neurodiversity, but I think any kind of diversity, in a sense, is that um, sometimes society sees it where it's like a tapestry. You see all the threads at the back and it's all... But then, actually, what's the beautiful pattern on the front... And that's what makes us all human is this beautiful tapestry. So whilst there might be lots of stuff going on in the back, actually the busier the back is, the more beautiful the human is on the front. And I love that analogy. If you are visual, probably like this. (laughs) Just to have that, like we might all have lots going on in the back and feel like we're losing it and we've got lots of plates spinning. But actually sometimes I always say it's our diversity that makes us divine and it makes us sparkle and so it's just don't let people pull you back and kind of focus on all that busy tapestry at the back actually that's just a really beautiful pattern waiting to kind of shine I think that's great and I think something that someone once said to me is um quite often when you're first diagnosed with something it takes over and that's all you can think about and that's all you can define yourself as whereas if you stop using the words I am so for you like if you say I am anxious I am and you you can say I have instead so that takes it away from that being the entire focus and it's great that you've been able to do that and and you've found other ways to channel your energy and and channel yourself so you said that sort of your dance and your creativity is is the way that you've learned to manage all of these things how did you you start with that how did you sort of move away from all of your diagnosis being completely overwhelming, which I imagine it was, to channel it into something positive? Um, I think it's been a bit of a roller coaster road. Like with anything, you try different things, it works for a bit, and then it might not work in the same way, and then you need to kind of push it or extend it or try something else. Um, so it was definitely trial and error in the early days. But it's when I first found belly dance when I was about 14, had an eating disorder I didn't fit in um I loved dance and drama and I went along and used all my pocket money for any like club but then I just never fit in I want from like a really affluent family and I didn't look the part I was curvier I was taller I was just mixed I was mixed race there was I just did not fit in and I always felt inadequate and then I saw these women dancing at this multicultural festival my mom had organized and they were swirling around and they were all ages from like 18 to 80 and then that was the first time I went to my local church hall and that was to learn belly dancing and I literally just got hooked on it and was spending every evening trying to find different belly dance classes to get to um and just focusing because I've got quite a kind of all or nothing mind focusing my kind of obsessive of obsessive mind on something positive like that rather than something negative because like I was the best bulimic I was the best eating disorder patient but obviously that's the negative way of coping whereas when I could throw it into belly dancing and then later writing and journalism I could just become obsessed about something good for myself rather than something that was a negative coping mechanism yeah that I, I can relate to that all on the thing <laughs> very much all on a thing so is that how yeah you got, we have to 
talk about Britain's Got Talent and how you were so successful in that. So is that, that I suppose that all or nothing led you to, to getting on to, to being a semi-finalist? Yeah, so I, I guess um, I'm sure you both know what it's like when you're kind of, you're hooked on something, you're a bit younger and you kind of just have that open mind to every opportunity. Um, and I just loved belly dancing. So I was a student at the time in Manchester studying philosophy in Italian and I was working as a waitress and uh, but I was still belly dancing every night and performing or going to classes um, and I saw adverts and bearing in mind I'd attended every single talent show contest audition and always been laughed out pretty much as a dancer because I was a belly dancer and everyone you know were proper prima ballerinas and I'd rock up in my belly dance costume and just did not fit in you know I'm quite heavy footed and I just move with the music and I've just got a natural I love just dancing and so I was kind of laughed out of so many places and then I was like well I haven't got a chance of Britain's Got Talent because this is like the biggest audition I've ever gone for but who I may as well and luckily I don't really think things through I'm a bit kind of like oh let's just try it do you know <laughs> so I just tried it and um, it's always those funny things when you think gosh there were so many like fake got talent contests that I was just literally laughed out of mm-hmm. and then the actual real one um it was like they could see that I had this passion and they were genuinely really lovely and I could tell, like, sometimes, yes, they set people up to fail. But if you're an all right, decent human being and you've got a real passion, they do like that. Um, definitely back then as well, it, it wasn't quite so big and commercial. Um, and, yeah, it was just, I suddenly, I got through, like, you have pre-rounds before you even get to the TV audition. And then I couldn't believe it. I was watching Man United on TV and um, they won. And I got a call from Brits Got Talent um, <laughs> saying that, are you free on this date for this live audition? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, but I'd only ever danced in this small restaurant for about 15 people before. And then suddenly I was thrust on stage in front of hundreds of people in this big auditorium in Manchester and on TV. Um, but luckily when I dance, it's like, even this morning we did a live, Kim and I, and it just takes me back and it I need to do it more because it takes me back into my body. Mm. Doesn't matter what's going on in the outside world. And I become this other person when I dance and I become like the best version of me. Mm. And I just started to dance on stage and bearing in mind there's like out of body experience, Simon Cowell, Amanda Holden, Piers Morgan at the time. Um, but I just embodied this other dance. Um and yeah and then I just remember finishing it and my back would bend and then I got a massive round of applause and then amazingly really positive comments and eventually that saw me through that kind of um continued um into the live semi-final so I couldn't believe it because it did actually change my life um it had been a lot of dancing in some very small dodgy restaurants and stuff to get to that point but all of that really helped because I got to know people, got to learn the skills and the tricks of the trade. Um, and then suddenly I found myself 
in the biggest kind of audition of my life um but then that that was the one that worked for me mm. and how how was your body image at the time because I think you were about 19 weren't you when because I, I was watching um on YouTube on your your audition and you said um my curves can be useful for once and was that that made me feel sad because I was like but you but your curves are useful no matter what and it, how how was it like how were you sort of with your body image at that time um I've always had a fluctuating body image um from a young age so even being mixed race um, I don't fit into I didn't fit into the Western ideal, but then I also don't fit into the Eastern ideal, um, because a lot of my family are much more petite and um, all the similar height and shape, um, and I just felt like I didn't fit in anywhere, and I used to hate it, and I just wanted to fit in, and even when I was nineteen, I had like moments of confidence. The belly dance did really help that. Um, but there was still that kind of you are different so I wasn't even that big um, so you have to put into context and it shows us how bad our view of body image is generally in society because I, I wasn't even that big age 19 mm -hmm. I was a healthy weight, yeah. my body shape but I was paraded as this you know curvaceous positive role model because I had some curves <laughs> and it just shows you so that's out there in the industry and that's that was like probably even below the average size it shows us how warped like we've become with body image but my big reason and my big journey that I've found is that whether I've lost weight through ill health or I've gained weight sometimes through ill health people are obsessed with weight and it, we internalize that and we start to take on those kind of obsessions with our own body and that becomes us and it's about I think it's about being resilient so it's not that we won't ever get knocked down again but since then I've like lost weight I've gained weight but actually what I've realized now um it all doesn't matter <laughs> like it all yeah. really doesn't matter and people will become so focused on it and I just look back then and I think why did I even see myself as that well the first thing the judges said was to do with my weight the first yeah. thing everyone said was to do with my weight mm -hmm. and, and so you kind of see why we are like it but at the same time that's why it's important to have like the community you create where it's like no we just come as we are it doesn't matter whether you what whether you're small or you you feel that you're large it, it doesn't matter um and it's about feeling connected with ourselves how, how did you feel at the time when the judges because for me like I could it, it does feel a little bit creepy the way that they went on because you've got to think this is like 14 years ago um and it, it all of them were like oh she's she's top oh oh and it seemed like this huge deal and even like obviously the men reacting and it was like very sexualized but even to the point where Amanda Holden was like I think I speak for everybody when I say you've got ta like talent mm. and it was it was a bit it was tongue-in-cheek but there was 
Piers Morgan made a comment that was something like, I've seen belly dancers before and they don't have the right curves or the right wobble for it. And I was just, when I was watching it, I was thinking the right wobble, like what is the right wobble or the right curves? Sorry, sorry, Piers, are you going to get your, your stomach out and have the right wobble? Of it? Like that must have been such a, I mean, it's a strange thing to hear, but how how did you respond to that or react to that? Um, do you know what was bad when I think about it? I was just used to it. Like that was a compliment back then because I had so much negative um, comments. And even today, um, because now I'm quite open because I've had a lot of um, bowel and bladder issues. So some days I can get really swollen. And I've had it recently when I've performed and men have been like, are you pregnant? And, and But then at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, when I was really ill with my gut health and it was all blocked up and I couldn't eat, um, I had a lot of comments how awful I looked. And everyone, and I just realised it got me to a point where whether I've had comments in the past like that about being curvy or like last year when I'd lost lots of weight, how disgusting I looked. Like even a year ago, I didn't leave the house because women, a lot of women all over would tell me how disgusting and gross I looked because they assumed that I must have wanted to lose the weight. Um, and I got so, I'd gone from being quite a, getting through all, all these eating disorder thoughts to then feeling quite confident and thinking, well, do you know, dealing with my physical health, it is what it is. I don't like feeling weak, but, and then it was just like, whoa. And it, it's about, that's why I'm so passionate now about, it's about being healthy and feeling strong. It's not about being any one size or image or, and it, it just shows you, doesn't it, people's comments, you kind of, it's good to take stock and just think, wow, we really are so hooked on this. And actually, like even this morning, just having a dance with you, Kim, I, I, I won't lie, like I've, I've been knocked um, recently because I've just like gone back to a healthy weight again um, as my health's improving. But Again, it's just everyone comments on it. So you almost don't want to show up sometimes mm. because you're just like, I can't be bothered <laughs> with everyone. And it's just nice to be in these spaces. And I think that's what's really important is creating these spaces and joining these spaces where we just see each other as we are. Do you know, like, it, it's not about, yeah. do you know, like, yeah. oh, oh, you're looking big or you're looking small or you're looking this. It's like, yeah. oh, you're looking beautiful as you are yeah you know, that um, is yeah and, and I suppose for somebody that um has had an eating disorder that those sorts of you know because Amy's um spoken about it before as well is that this it, it never like fully 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 goes away um I mean I'm, I'm speaking on your behalf I, I'll, I'll let you speak Amy because uh <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's always there and it's it's always I think it's it's you wanna say it's the demon that you've always got to battle in the back of your brain because you know it's it's something you can control for one when everything feels out of control, but it's it's 
people do make comments constantly on your body, on your shape, on your size. I mean, I was even at a wedding at the weekend and I've got a little girl, she's 10 months old and someone I've never met started saying to me, you don't look like you've had a baby. And I was like, what, what does someone that's just had a baby look like? And also I vomited for four months, like the first four months of my pregnancy, I lost a lot of weight and I was ill. I was really ill. Um, and But people don't think when they make comments, they don't, they don't think about the effect that that has on somebody and for for someone that's never suffered with any sort of eating disorder disordered eating he's anti people (laughs) don't worry about it you're judging (laughs) but for someone that's never suffered with that it's just a flippant one-off comment but you actually you don't know what what someone else is dealing with so yeah it's people just shouldn't comment on other people's bodies but people have got such a focus on shape and size and weight and it seems to be the be all and end all when like it's not it's really not it's about who you are as a person Mm -hmm. um but yeah I think a mental health recovery college yesterday and uh, to do an article and um, they said a really nice thing about recovery is it's not about that you're getting over something that you're over it it's about that you're learning to manage it and live the best yeah. life possible and I thought that's such a good way because that's why I never put pressure on myself I've recovered from an eating mm. disorder because yeah. for me like you it will always be that thing in your mind and we still will get knocked down with it and like I'd gone from even last year googling I was obsessed as a child to lose weight off my face because I always had a round face and being mixed heritage and then last year when I lost all the weight when I couldn't eat I was googling then how to gain weight on your face and actually none of that really mattered or and it doesn't so it doesn't mean that when we've like in recovery that we'll never have those blips like you say but it's controlling those and seeing it as that okay that's their view their thing but we've got to just mm-hmm. do what we need to do to stay mm-hmm. well and feel good in ourselves yeah yeah so from a, a physical standpoint obviously you you've got a great attitude with mental health and you're doing a, a lot for that how do you manage, particularly with fibromyalgia, because that is something, it must be so difficult to deal with that pain and discomfort that, that you get with fibromyalgia, especially when you don't know when it's going to flare up and and doing something like belly dancing and movement, does that help it? Does that make it worse or, or how do you cope with that? Um, I've had to learn to manage my kind of, I have a bit of hyper motivation um, where I can kind of be a bit overly motivated and then crash. And what I find is I do a lot of my energetic stuff on a morning and then I allow myself the afternoon to be a bit slower because I know that that's when it kind of tends to hit a bit more. Um, and that's how I kind of stack myself. They do say you should kind of, stack so like something energy then relax energy relax whereas I don't feel like 
that doesn't quite work for me because once I've relaxed, my whole body's like, oh. Um, so I'm better to do all the things, the activities I need to do on the morning and then allow that time in the evening. But then that's why I do still do belly dance and yoga and different things when I can in the evening because whilst that isn't my time to flow, at the same time, it does help just moving. So even a good example, I'm actually stood up if you can see my yeah. I'm actually stood up at my computer because it helps one because I like to stand up a lot and move around when I'm talking or working but it also helps me to keep moving it's because it's often when I'm sat down that I can feel all the pain and um, so I, mm -hmm. I tend to keep moving as much as possible um, but one thing I'm trying to get better at is <laughs> afternoon resting which I'm not very good at um, so it's all about learning to manage ourselves a bit better each time. Um, so I'm trying my best to rest more on an afternoon, but I've not got back. I've not got back to doing the afternoon nap. But a sleep coach did tell me that I should do ten minutes meditation on an afternoon, um, just to connect to my body. So that's going to be my new little aim as well. It's so hard, though, isn't it? It's so hard to like do everything. <laughs> especially because um you're you're a parent as well so you how how old are yours and how many so I've got two daughters um on my my own um who are 10 and 7 so I have them half the week mm. um, but again it's funny because I actually find the school run quite helpful for my mental health because it makes you get out of um do you know whether you're working or you're stressed and I think people probably see us like we'll be online and think oh yeah we always feel really confident and that we can show up online mm -hmm. but by the afternoon sometimes you're feeling like oh everything feels a bit too much and then you just get out because you have to go on that walk um to the school and then you're like oh life's so much better and actually that person's bothered about something on TV, that person's bothered about, and you just think, actually, all those things that felt too much, just getting out and walking, whether you've got kids or not, just getting out and just walking it out is so powerful. Oh, yeah, definitely on a morning. I really absolutely love walking my little boy <clears throat> to school, and um, I think it's great for the kids as well to have that, bit of bit of exercise before they go to school and that time as well where there's no screens you're just walking and you're talking mm -hmm. and you're just enjoying your surroundings and I think that's that's important Definitely. yeah and what do you see yeah I, like kind of help yourself feel good when you're having a lull if you've gone through a bit of a difficult time Sorry, my, my dog does not like school runs. <laughs> barking at everyone. Um, yeah, I think I think for me, walking is a big thing because I get, probably like both of you, I get very locked into things. So I do like to be moving a lot of the time. And, and I've discussed how for me, when I get really stressed and and those thoughts do start to creep in with the eating disorder it's about I'll constantly keep moving and and with my job because personal training fitness instructor it's like right well I'll just record the next video for someone or I'll just do a weight training where or I'll do this or I'll do that whereas 
if I literally am like, right, just get your shoes on, get your headphones in, get out for a walk. That's it. Like, it's like a bit of calm. Um, I have tried the meditation thing. I've really tried really hard, but I just get frustrated. <laughs> like when someone tells me to just sit and relax and let my thoughts go. And I'm like, I'm letting my thoughts go, but actually I'm thinking about what I need to do tomorrow and what I need to do later today. And I need to make a list to do this. And I need... So I like that. I totally think that it's great for some people, but for me, it doesn't work. I prefer to do something where I'm moving, but I'm not like putting 10,000% into it. I'm just outside and I'm getting some fresh air and in nature. And we're really lucky that we live by a lovely nature reserve that I can just go for a, a walk around and get away from like all the noise and all the traffic and, yeah, I think everybody likes likes a walk. It's mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah, and it's about you, Kim. Mindfulness. Um, so I know I'm very similar to yourself. So I've trained in yoga, and I do love meditation at the end of the day and at, at, on a night. But I do struggle with it. I'm much better like walking mindfulness. Um, but mm-hmm. I found as well some someone who's um gone through trauma. When my brain's too busy, I found it really quite hard to do meditation where it was almost bring back some of the flashbacks and stuff. So it's like you, it's finding the pace of what works for ourselves mm. and being okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. One step better than me just hammering it, you know, because I'm like you, it's like, yeah, let's just lift more ways, jump more, like jump around more. And actually, okay, let's just still listen to our body, but still yeah. move. Yeah. What about yourself, Kim? Oh, depends. Depends um, on the day, really. I, I do like going swimming. I love swimming um, with my little boy. Um, but I don't go as often as I should, really, because there's always stuff to do. <laughs> I'm really, really bad. Um, recently, at, at winding down, I've... I, struggling a lot with uh trying to switch off um but yeah I think I'm like you with a school run the only thing is is like my little boy started walking to school by himself um and part of me is like yeah I know that gives me extra time to do stuff but actually it does have a knock-on effect because it means that sometimes I don't get out of the house until like late afternoon sometimes not even at all I'm embarrassed to say I don't get out of the house, literally don't step foot out the door because everything that I'm doing that day is based online. It's online teaching. It's, it's you know, um, and I don't need to, to move, to leave the house. And those are the days where I feel like in the evenings, my mental health is not great. So it is, it is important. I need to be a, a bit strict with myself and, and put my mental health before um, all of the other stuff that needs to be. It's it's hard as well though, I think, when you've got like you work and you've got your own business and you're parenting because you stack everything else above yourself. So you kind of you know, you've got to think about like your clients, you've got to think about your children, you've got to think about even stupid stuff like once the paperwork's done and once the videos are recorded and once your planning's done and then once the the 
family's fed and the house is cleaned and it's like okay well right I've been awake for 14 hours now is there anything I can do for me it's it's always hard so sometimes it's easy for us to go right we need to take a step back and do this but then you've got to acknowledge at some point in the day you need to take a step back and your brain doesn't even have the space for that so it can be really really tough and it's finding I think it's finding your flow um and that's I always think even with exercising like we call it often belly dance fitness and I do a belly dance flow and it's finding that rhythm with your own body doing what works for you mm. whereas the industry mm. typical stereotypical industry would be kind of like hammer it go hard and go home kind of thing and it's actually no let's listen to our body and do what our body needs mm. not what someone else's body needs let's listen to our body and yeah. do what's good for our body i think yeah and i do you know what though i think we, we've grown up with that kind of like no pain no gain like you must do it even yesterday um and I'm still sort of like figuring out what to do about it my um son came home from school it was really upset because the teacher had said that um the PE teacher had said that him and a group of other kids were pathetic for not doing um not not doing PE um and it really made me cross because it's like it's obviously it's coming towards the end of the term it's really warm outside they're tired there'll be all sorts of reasons an actual just justify not even need to be justifiable reasons sometimes you just don't want to move your body and that is okay but then to be told you're pathetic to a bunch of 10 11 year old kids but it it's made me really realize that actually PE is compulsory and I get I get you know it's good it's we obviously we all know it's good to move our bodies that's literally what we like what we do <laughs> as, as a career but when it's forced it can create a lot of bad relationships with movement and then as a result with our bodies and um and I think it's that mentality that, that's thrust on us that you have to, you have to do this. You have to move. You have to keep going. No pain, no gain. You have to. And it's, it's, it's just not good, is it? It's not good at all. And I think um, like women experience it, but I really think it's like, rather than it going, let's make it better for women. It's like, let's just make it just as bad for men now as well. <laughs> And it's like, rather than just thinking, no, everyone just needs to feel good as they are and in themselves and not feel that pressure. Because actually then you start to find stuff you love. Like I love belly dance. I look forward to belly dancing. I did power hoop yesterday and like we did yoga with adults and learning disabilities. And I look forward to those activities and fitness should about be about feeling good because then it you're wanting to do it it's not yeah. like yeah. Oh, I'm gonna punish myself it's gonna yeah. I'm gonna feed myself because I know even if I don't always feel energetic I know this is gonna give me that tonic yeah and I think what really should have should be available and I know that it's not always 
an option but is to, is for, for maybe like the kids that don't at school that don't want to move they can do the full-on cross-country run or whatever it may be give them an alternative let them let them maybe like do a bit of yoga do a bit of stretching um do a bit of meditation just do just do something give them not say right well if you're not doing this then don't do anything and you're pathetic like it's yeah I think I'll be writing an email to the to the headmaster because <laughs> I'm like obviously still very feed off about it. Well, the little thing what I used to do, I used to go run really fast in front of my PE teacher, and then as soon as he was gone, nip to the corner shop, which was like a court short court, um, and buy stuff from the corner shop, and then like uh, cheat going backwards. <laughs> I wasn't a built runner and I, I run now ironically I run to get from place to place often mm-hmm. and I'm not still naturally a runner but I do it because I don't have that pressure it's not mm-hmm. like I've got loads of other kids there and everyone's running fast it's like you don't want to be last and all that I'm just I just run saunter to the shop as I am and mm-hmm. you enjoy that when you find it yourself you enjoy it yeah yeah yeah, I was I was exactly the same. I absolutely hated running. And now I've run a couple of half marathons. And like, we always say, if anyone has seen me in school and know what I did do now, they'd laugh you out because there is no <laughs> way that this would be my career. But that we used to do our cross country and it was something like ridiculous, like three and three quarter times round the school field. So it wasn't even like, you were going anywhere it was just the same view over and over and over again the rest of the school could see you and it was horrible because they pitted you against each other and then they would be stood with a stopwatch timing you and tell you your time at the end and like people jeering each other and it was awful and I just think I don't I, I kids shouldn't be brought up in that environment and I, I, I don't want my little girl to have to if she doesn't enjoy doing something, okay, we all have to do things that we don't enjoy doing. But if it is going to create that negative relationship, I just don't want to have to do it. And how how do you deal with that with your two little girls? Because they are at that sort of poignant age as well, at 10 especially, where she'll be starting to recognise things a lot more. How do you manage that with her? Um, so I have to be really careful around my kids I think because maybe like you are hyper aware as well when you've had eating disorders of people's language Mm -hmm. and behavior so people will be like oh you're looking healthy you're looking big and oh you put on you're a chunky monkey and stuff like that and and I'll just be like no they're they're strong oh no she's beautiful like I don't I don't even see them as like one's this size one's that size but like you say it's just reinforcing like positive like movement so I try and always encourage them to dance because I love dancing and we used to dance a lot more but now they're into a different flow so I can't force it I do try a little bit um but they know that's because I love dancing it's not like right we need to lose weight or we need to get fit so we're gonna dance it's oh let's have some fun together we're gonna dance let's have some fun together we're gonna go out on a walk let's um oh i need to kind of float it's all about more of this feeling good than it's like come on we need to work off those calories or 
Or like I, I'm really conscious about what I say around food. So I don't say, haven't haven't you had enough? Or gosh, you've eaten a lot. I'll just say, oh, well mm-hmm. done. You've got a really healthy appetite. And mm-hmm. just try and reinforce positive. Because I think I'm hyper aware of little things that people have always said and they can trigger me, especially as a kid. And mm. now there's so much pressure that I kind of just try and keep focusing it back. So even if they get focused on, oh, she's she's skinny or she's this, she's that, I'm like, oh, I'm not even seeing that. With mm-hmm. you know, what's her name? What does she do? Like, yeah, I won't even entertain it, which I know probably can be quite annoying. But I just won't entertain judgment. No, people, I just won't let anyone and same with any ages I just go no I wouldn't even know yeah wouldn't know I think the more that we do that the less normalized it will become but commenting on people's bodies commenting on what people are eating I think if you just don't entertain it then you know then it will make that it'll make those people that are commenting think twice and think oh actually you know, look at it in a different way. And I think I think it's really, really important to um, make people aware the impact of the, the language that they use. Um, because it, you know, it, it is, it can, it can have a knock-on effect, especially when the kids are just developing and they're so young and they're in that, that really influential age. And one thing can, can stick with you for the rest of your life when you're that age so yeah definitely um so tell us you've said a few times about writing articles tell us a little about bit about your journalism and how you got into that as well yeah so well I have to shoot me off very shortly to do that other part. um <laughs> but yeah so I got into journalism through belly dancing actually and so I found my voice initially through belly dancing but then I learned, I got the confidence to then start to articulate my voice through written word, through blogging, through vlogging. And I set up a community magazine with people from all walks of life, all from, I guess, what you call diverse backgrounds or marginalised backgrounds, as everyone likes to call it. And we set up this community magazine that did really well. And um, it went viral back in the day. And that got me my first job in journalism because I like we won an award and then I hustled my way into Channel 4 News I was just like I'll do a day's work experience and they're like you can do two weeks I was like I can't afford that I'll do like two days and 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 I'd pitch my own ideas and I started making documentaries Channel 4 News um, and then I set up an all-female documentary making company um, and it was all people were like how did you get this story and I was like just by being part of the community and understanding what we're all we've all been through and just then finding the journalistic view and backing it up and making sure that you're not totally biased um, so I guess I was more of a campaigner to start with and then transformed into a journalist um, but then I had a massive breakdown when my I had my first child I had um, psychosis quite a bad episode of psychosis where I was nearly hospitalized but um, I was allowed to decide to stay at home Um, and I started blogging and it was just my way of having a bit of therapy talking to a camera because nobody else I couldn't really articulate myself to other humans and 
they were saying that, oh no, this is your psychosis. But anyone who's been through a psychotic episode, that's your reality then. Um, so if anyone's going, well, no, that's not the case. Like, no, that is. So just having somewhere where I could just talk and then other people be like, I experienced this. And, and it gave me that freedom again to express my voice and so then I started blogging and vlogging alongside um my journalism and then now that's kind of combined so I do run Sparkle Community Media CIC which is a social enterprise doing grassroots media and then I work for newspapers as well um so it's really nice because they all know that I do a lot of mental health and well-being and I still do all my belly dance teaching and my well-being stuff but for me I need it all because I think well-being is like you need everything and I think at different mm -hmm. points in life you might feel like you're falling off in one place and not the other and it's about trying to find those balances where we can kind of have it all and it doesn't mean those balance that we always feel like we have it all but it's just about noticing what works for our individual self yeah yeah oh god it's so interesting we could we should do another podcast just talking literally just about all of that that you do because that sounds um that sounds amazing um but we'll let you we'll let you go off and um put that other hat on and <laughs> do the, shimmy off to to journalist yeah, but I think definitely I'd love to do more together because I think one thing I've realized and you you don't realize it but you've helped me this morning as well and people always think that I'm always confident and always, yeah, I'll do. And it really does sometimes when you're on your own, you're, I'm a single mom like yourself, and you have those, you still have those doubts and those knockbacks. I'm just like I say to people that I work with and facilitate with a dance class or whatever, I might just be a few steps ahead. Doesn't mean that I don't get knocked back and I don't have those blitz. It just means that I know how to pick myself up again a bit faster but mm -hmm. everyone can do that and it's about surrounding yourselves with people like you and other wonderful people um, and then thinking oh this has made me feel really good and like yeah I'm gonna do it again I'm gonna make you <laughs> meet me online <laughs> again Kim because um, it's doing those things that work for us yeah mm -hmm. no definitely. yeah definitely yeah it, honestly Sophie you're just inspiring like you, you're a ball of energy and you've got so many I don't know how you keep managing all the different hats and and doing all the different jobs that you're doing and and but you you do inspire so many people and you've changed so many lives um, and I hope that you know that I hope that you know how much you've helped so many people and I think there'll be more people out there who listen to this podcast who maybe haven't heard of you seen you before who will suddenly find someone to resonate with and then they'll be helped as well so thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us i'll send you i'll have to send you both my book i've got a i've had a book published eat sleep control repeat and that was on how oh. i had the worst eating disorder that doctors had ever seen um to then where i am today and and, and like you as well amy like i'd i'd never say like i'm recovered i just say I learned to live a good life now and manage mm -hmm. it and it's doing those things that make you feel good so yeah um, hopefully people can all join in and check in, a, in on us with us in the morning yeah, <laughs> yeah. motivated 
Oh, well, thank you so uh, much, Sophie. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Have Speak to you soon. You have to do it with me. Peace, love, and cheers. <laughs> <laughs>